Welcome to the Aerospace Executive Podcast, featuring in-depth conversations with executives, leaders, influencers, and journalists in this dynamic, high-stakes industry. Hosted by Craig Pickett, founder of Northstar Group, the boutique executive search firm for the aerospace industry. You'll learn how top aerospace executives are developing their people, competing for talent, overcoming challenges, and adjusting to industry trends to drive growth and profits. And now, let's join your host, Greg Pickett. Hey, welcome back to the Aerospace Executive Podcast. I have got uh, Tom Schwab with me today. Tom is the founder, president, CEO of a company called Interview Valet, which is helping people and companies find their voice in a crowded marketing space. Tom is a, a marketing expert. He's worked with companies like HubSpot and some large DOD contractors. And here he is. Tom, introduce yourself. Well, Craig, I am thrilled to be here. And uh, um, like we said, uh, we got some mutual friends. I started out in the Navy running nuclear power plants. And uh, with that, I, I always have to laugh when they say CEO. To me, CEO is like of a huge, you know, publicly traded company. To me, that's chief evangelist officer. So I'm here evangelizing, you know, for our company, for our clients, for podcasting in general, and really the new way to do business. I think uh, uh, we live in an amazing Amazing time, uh, you know, where I can live in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, yes, it really exists and really do business around the world. I think uh, there's a lot of problems in the world, but man, there is no better time to be alive and no better time to be growing a business. No, I agree with you. I mean, it's, uh, it's a world now where your marketing has changed. You've got you know, digital, you've got podcasting. Everybody can self-publish a book. I was talking to my wife about this the other day. Everybody can tell their story. You can, you can, you can tell your story, and everybody, you know, everybody's got something to tell. You know, and, and in fact, a really good friend of mine is a uh, is an interesting guy. He uh, he trains special forces in the uh, in the military. You know, SEAL Team Six. It's you know Navy SEALs, and he interviews a wide variety of people. All he wants to know is what's your story, and the story might be from the janitor he met on base who's been there for 30 years, or it might be the retiring Navy SEAL who's, you know, been to Afghanistan three times. But what he's found is everybody's got a story to tell. Companies, companies are the same way. And isn't that interesting that all that we ever wanted to learn or hear is stories? So from the caveman days, it was all stories. And then somehow we got to the point of death by PowerPoint. And, uh, you know, uh, Nobody, nobody remembers that. Nobody remembers all of the graphs, but they remember the stories. And uh, to me, it's, it's amazing. The barrier to entry to tell your story, like you said, with a book, um, with a blog, with a, with a podcast is just amazing. And I like it because, uh, yes, I, uh, I did graduate from college, but I are engineer. Right. So writing a blog for me, that's a homework assignment. Talking, that's fun. But now there's, you know, the tools where we can transcribe what we talk about, clean it up, have somebody else that's an English major uh, turn that into a blog. And so with that, you know, you can create in the way that you want and then repurpose it in the way other people want. Um, and, you know, you can get your story out there so many different ways. Well, it's, it's interesting you talk about like, you know, so I'm an executive recruiter. Everybody knows that. And 
there's this thing called the interview. Everybody has to go on an interview. And some are pretty good. They're good business discussions. Let's just have a good business discussion. And then you get other companies that want to tell me, yeah, tell me about a time when you saved the company $10 million. Tell me about, yeah, it's the behavioral-based interview. And, and realistically, I think if companies, you know, they're all talking about hiring for culture or they're talking about how do you find if somebody's real or if they're not. Nobody has really come up with a suggestion in an interview. What's your story? How did you grow up? Tell me about your parents. What did they teach you? Why did you go to the school you went to? Did you do well? No, why not? You know, well, you know, it's, there's so much to be learned in somebody's story versus a canned response to a stupid question. Now, granted, it's been a while since I've been on an interview, but I would argue that today when I do interviews, when I talk with them, it's the final interview, not the first one right? Because I've already looked up online to figure out what your story is. You know, you are what you publish. So mm -hmm. let's see where your mind is. You know, are you a thought leader? Are you publishing blogs? Have, have I heard you on a podcast? You know, uh, you may say you're great, but if I can't find any proof of that online, uh, then I've just got to go with what you say. And so from that standpoint, people are telling their stories all over. And some people are telling a story that they don't want told, right? Uh, by the pictures they post, the, the social media things, um, you know, uh, that, can, that can hurt a brand also. You know, your marketing is not just confined to what we say about the company, but what do your employees say about it? What are all the interactions on it? You know, uh, a brand is what your customers say about it too. And uh, um, so from that standpoint, um, I think, I think HubSpot did a study where it said 70% of the buying decision is made before they even talk to somebody from the company. Absolutely. And I would say hiring too, you know, 70% of your decision could be made from what you see online. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's a conversation. I've got two kids that are freshmen in college. Um, I mentor some kids at the local university and the business school at the local university. And that's a conversation you got to have with them. And you say, look, you know, we're not from the same generation. You know, I, I, you know, I'm your parents' age, but I'm not your mom and dad. But if you're selling to me and I'm looking up your Instagram or your Facebook or whatever, and all I'm seeing is pictures of you holding up a beer and partying and showing off your new tattoo, not that, yeah, hey, look, the new tattoo, nothing wrong with that. It's the new thing. But, you know, it's, it's the brand that you're putting your, you know, the brand that you're, creating for yourself or for the professionals on LinkedIn. You know, is it a good picture? You know, if I look at your profile, is it professional or is it not? First impressions mean everything. And if you're comfortable with that, if that's what you want to be known for, you know, no judgment, God love you, God bless you. Um, because I think today we live in a world of abundance, right? We've got abundant customers. We've got, you know, abundant employers, right? It's, it's not like the old day when I got out and it's like, wow, what companies are within 10 miles of the place that I want to live? You know, no, a lot of times now work is what you do, not where you go. Um, and I've even seen that with brands too, where a lot of people are like, um, you know, I want to get more customers, more customers. Well, why don't you just focus on getting better customers, Right. right. People, people that really like what you do, like your brand. Um, you know, I, I joke around. Uh, I remember when I was 18 years or I wasn't 18. I was probably all of about 22, 23. And the chief told me, 
He's like, if his mom couldn't change him in 18 years, we're not going to change him now. You know, he is who he was. I look at that the same way. This is my company. If, if you like it, if you like the values we stand for, if you like the principles we stand for, um, then great. Come alongside of us. We'd love to work with you. Uh, but we're not the company that's going to be, um, uh, you know, doing the, the, the crazy uh, marketing uh, and starting everything with yo, yo, yo. Um, you know, nothing against that, but that's not our market. So I think if people are consistent with that and, and sometimes, you know, the people that try to appeal to everybody appeal to nobody, you know, be clear of who who you are, because there's that, uh, great post out there, 1000 true fans. Now they granted, they were talking about the music industry, right? That to keep a band going, you just need a thousand true fans. I'd argue for most companies, it's a thousand true fans, of, of customers too. And so from that standpoint, find a thousand people that love you and uh, resonate with you. You know, we've got veteran owned business um, on our website. I'm proud of it. If that turns people off, that's fine. I have no judgments about them, but I just know that we, we're not going to change for them mm-hmm. and they're not going to be happy with us. You know, there's a power in saying perhaps we're not for you. Chick-fil-A, I think is a great, is a great messaging company. They stand by their values. We're not going to open on Sunday. Um, you know, we've got Christian values that the company has stood by for 50 years. Society's changing. We realize that. And we may have people out there. We're not judging you. We're not doing anything. But we've got our values. And they've been under a tremendous amount of pressure to change, to bend. And they won't do it. And, in fact, I think that the fact that they won't bend – is probably better for their business than companies that, you know, try to be, like you said, everything to everybody, not offend. You know, I wrote a pretty, I, I wrote a blog today about you. You saw the, uh, you know, the NBA, uh, the tweet from the NBA in China. And, you know, my answer there is, you know, a guy, a guy wrote, a, you know, an NBA executive wrote a support Hong Kong tweet. The NBA is now basically banned in Hong Kong. Well, what do you do? Well, if I'm the NBA, I'm not backing down to China. China, you know, the, the word that China put out was, yeah, we want to do business with the world, but don't, you know, don't, don't, don't even think to disagree with anything that we say. Well, okay, maybe China's not the place for us to be that. Well, and it's the thing of, are we offended or do we want to be offensive? Um, I think there's, if there's judgment with it too, it's like, this is who we are. This is who we serve. This is what we do. Um, if we're the best person for you, that's great. Let's come along. But if we're not, um, let's not try to make this work because you're not going to change. We're not going to change and actually do them harm if you're not the best person, right? Because mm-hmm. you're not the only person in the world um, that can do this, right? There's somebody that would fit them better. You know, there's a, there's a substitute. Um, and I think the only thing you really can't substitute for is, is who you are, right? And if you keep changing that, it's, it's going to drive away the people. You mentioned Chick-fil-A there. Well, some people might be driven away from it, but it's also attracting their, their ideal customers. And I've always yeah. said, you know, when I'm on a podcast interview, there's three types of people that hear me. The first one, listen to the interview and say, Tom is an idiot. Okay. I don't disagree with them, right? That's their opinion. That's fine. But I know that we'd never be good customers together. The second type are the ones that go, huh, that was interesting, but I don't need that right now. 
God love you, that's fine. I, I hope it helped you in some way. The third group are the ones that go, wow, Interview Valet works with people like me. They, they understand me. They can help my problems. I want to work with them. Those are the ones we want to uh, really address and, and reach out to. Absolutely. And, and you know, so before we started recording, you were talking with, you know, so Interview Valet, you're helping companies podcast, your market. Marketing is a completely different machine than it was 15 or 20 years ago. In fact, I think in a lot of ways, yes, there's a lot of noise out there, but it's a lot easier for companies who have defined markets. You know, if you're, you know, my market, you know, business jet owners, well, there's 24,000 business jets in the United States. Okay, that means there's 24,000 people that need to be marketed to. How do you hit them? You can, you, know, you can do it digitally. You can tell your story on a podcast. You can, I don't think the requirement to spend huge amounts of money on marketing to define products is necessarily the requirement anymore. Uh, no. And in fact, it could backfire, right? Because if you want to compete with Coke and um, Boeing on their spend, I can never outspend them, right? And I think you say it's changed in the last 10 or 15 years, but I always worry that I think my grandfather would understand modern marketing more than my grandkids probably will because he understood the strategy, right? What's marketing? Marketing starting a conversation with somebody that could be an ideal customer. All right, he understood that. And for him, it was, you know, uh, a rotary club, a golf game. You know, for us, it's uh, podcasts, um, uh, you know, LinkedIn posts, things like that. But I think where people get problems is when they start looking at the tactics of saying, um, you know, I've got to do a Facebook ad or I've got to do this. And they don't understand how it fits in the strategy. It's like, well, why do you have to do that? Who are you trying to talk to? Why, why do you want to talk to them? Why do they want to listen? And I remember when my daughter was in junior high, she's in college now, um, she came to me and said, dad, you need to be on Instagram. And I'm like, well, why? And she said, because everybody is on Instagram. I said, define everybody. She said, me and all my friends. And I'm like, that would be really, really creepy at that point if yeah. I went on Instagram because right. none of my friends or customers were there. So really coming back to that strategy of, hey, how, where do I want to go? How do I want to start the conversation? Yep. I mean, I was a, I'm a small business and I've had, you know, PR experts come to me and say, you need PR. Okay. How much is PR going to cost me? $3,000 a month on a retainer, 36 grand a year. Okay. What should I expect? What kind of ROI should I expect out of that? Well, it's PR. We can't measure ROI. <laughs> Time out, dude. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, for 36,000 bucks, you know, you got to show me something. And that's it. So you, you talk about, well, Instagram is cheap. You know, do I want to be on Instagram? Do I need to go to the masses? Well, no, because is my market really on Instagram? Probably not. Mm -hmm. You know, Facebook advertising. I think Facebook is an awesome B2C platform. I, you know, when I get on Facebook, I see I get all these shoes and clothing ads, Under Armour, whomever. You click on it. They've got my number. Yeah, I think it's great. But, you know, business to business, I'm not so sure. The strategies are getting very interesting right now. Uh, and I think there's a great book out there called uh, ClickSand, How Digital Marketing is Ruining Your Business. Uh, Bill Troy from Columbus, Ohio wrote it. And I think one of the big things that he points out there is that whales don't go through funnels and big fish don't click. 
right? So all of a sudden we take the B2C experience that you talked about on Facebook and it's like, yeah, I see something that's neat in a quick little video. Maybe I'll buy it for $9. It's a transaction. And we're like, well, if that works, that should work on B2B then too, you know, with a relationship. And it's like, no, one's a transaction and one's a relationship. I am not going to hire my accountant or um, my lawyer or any trusted professional off of a cute little funny um, Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, am not, uh, uh, I am not hiring a cardiac surgeon based off of how good of his Facebook page is. You know, I want to I have that relationship with them, the trust in them. And that's why I see that the people that are um, trying to get a relationship and putting themselves out there so you get to know, like, and trust them, they're having more success. HubSpot did a study a few years ago, and one of the things they found was when somebody went to um, become a customer, it was highly indicative if they'd become a customer if they went to the About the Founders page, right? Now, you're not going to be working with Darmesh and Brian, right? But people still wanted to know, what's the soul of this company? Why did mm-hmm. they start? And so for that, um, they needed to know that. Uh, you know, earbuds, uh, earbuds, I, I put them in the wash about every, um, every once a week. Right. So to me, it's a transactional thing, right? Mm-hmm. I don't care who makes them. I don't care um, what the story is behind them. I know I'm going to throw them in the wash and have to get another pair. Uh, so for me, that's a transaction. But actually to work with somebody long-term, uh, I, I need to know more about them. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, we got a car dealer down here, down the road, Bob King, Mercedes and GMC. Yeah. Arnie, if you, if you're going to watch this, if, yeah, Arnie's the guy. And we just, yeah, every time we need a you know, car every couple of years, because I've got a business, I need to trade out cars. You know, we just call Arnie and Arnie knows what we want. And my wife just drives up. Arnie's got the car right there, does the paperwork, hands her the keys, done. I think we've brought six cars in 12 years from him between uh-huh. my wife and I and my daughter, but that's the relationship. It's, and, a, it's, it's a relationship, not a transaction. It's a relationship, not a, not a transaction. And, you know, and, but on the flip side too, you know, it's, it's like, you know, uh, the executives I'm working with, they're looking, how do I break out, you know? It's a crowd. How do you break? How does an executive break out in his company? And, you know, good work trumps all, I think, in a lot of ways. You know, but you know, hey, look, if you don't do good work, it's a very short conversation. But if you do good work, and you're in a big company and you're still trying to break out, how do you do that? Well, a lot of the ways, you know, other you know, thought leadership. Again, the the minimum requirement is good work. Right. If you don't do good work, uh, nothing else will make up for it. But I would argue after that that you've got to do good work and let people know that you're doing good work. You know, and you know, um, being published. Right. Um, the true mark of a professional. I remember as a junior officer in the Navy, um, it was like if you had an article that was written or published in Proceedings, right, mm-hmm. which was a you know a peer-reviewed professional publication, right? That really made you somebody and that stood out. Were you the best junior officer? Were you the smartest one? No, but you put your ideas out there. You know, um, are there smarter people in an audience listening to the keynote? 
Are they smarter than the keynote? I don't know. Maybe they are, but they're not the ones that are up there on stage that are actually sharing it with it and teaching it. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's not only doing the good work, but then sharing that good work um, out there. And once again, it's never been easier um, with you know LinkedIn articles, um, Facebook videos, podcasts. You know, for me, I've been on twelve hundred podcast interviews, and you know anybody that says doing a podcast is easy has either never done it or never done it well, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Yeah, I'll tell you, I get, every, time I, every time I click on, the, you know, click on this thing, it's, uh, you know, I get, I, I get butterflies. It's, you know, please God, don't let me screw this up oh. uh, type of deal, you know, going back to, you know, the, the right stuff. Uh, but, um, you know, it's not. And it's the, you know, I, I think it was Gary Vaynerchuk was saying, you know, hey, look, I get a lot of critics, which is great, but I'm the one on the field. Right. Uh, I'm the one in the game. And, you know, I think that that's a little bit of my advice to people I talk to, um, either executives and companies. Don't be afraid to make a stand. Somebody may say, hey, you're an idiot, but at least you at least you made a stand. And 10 other people may say, hey, that's the coolest thing I've ever I've ever seen. You'd be a little bold. Yeah, because the the person that tries to appeal to everybody appeals to no one. Right. Right. And maybe it comes with gray hair. It's like there's three billion people on the world, you know, um, I don't care if they all like me, right? If my, if my customers value me and respect me, um, I love that. You know, if my team values me and respects me, that's great. You know, if my family uh, loves me, you know, what's that? Maybe I've gotten up to a thousand people. If a thousand out of three billion, I'm doing well. That's all you need. And business is the same. It's like, hey, look, I don't need a million customers. I need 20. You know, the restaurant down the road, I need 5,000 people to come to me three times a year, something like that. I think we can't remember his number was. And it's like, that's all I need. Great. Mike Maples, who's uh, a big uh, VC investor in Silicon Valley. He was uh, with Uber and uh, Twitter. Uh, I remember hearing a, a speech that he did. And he talked about it's a world of abundance now, right? Abundant choices, uh, abundant calories, um, you know, abundant opportunities out there. And this idea that bigger is better. No, bigger is just bigger, right? So uh, there's some, uh, some sites out there, right? Um, I don't know, monster.com probably has, you know, 7 billion resumes. I know, I know there's not 7 billion people, but they probably got that. Mm-hmm. Does that help me? Right. No, having an extra billion resumes doesn't help me. It just sort of confuses me. You know, having um, access to whatever it is, match.com, if it's got a billion people, that doesn't help me. It just confuses me. I want somebody that can, uh, you know, a friend that says, hey, here are five people that would be great for this position. Or, you know, uh, back in the, the college days, hey, here's, here's a great girl that you need to meet. I, I don't need to meet all billion of them. You know, get me better, not just more. Yeah, and there's a yeah, yeah that, that brings up another good point. Focus and specialization. Executives who are focused and specialized tend to do better and make more money than people who are generalists, doctors, lawyers, you know, in the professional ranks. But I'm I'm sort of one to say, even CFOs or manufacturing people or marketing people who can say, look, I am really good at financial operations for aviation and aerospace companies only. Mm -hmm. I know the market. Medical devices. I am really good at manufacturing med med devices because I know the standards that meet the regs. 
once again, you don't have to know everything. You just have to be really good at a couple of things and you'll make your way in life. I I totally agree with you on that because that person that says, um, I'm the best lawyer, uh, it's either them or the other million lawyers in the United States that are lying. One of them is lying, (laughs) right? But if he comes in and says, I am the best commercial real estate lawyer um, in Manhattan, you know, south of the park. Right. Okay. Now I know exactly what it is. I'm, you know, I'm not going to call him for, you know, um, trademark law, but I know what he, what he, he does. And it's the same thing with us. And there's that, always that pull of, can you do this? Yeah, I, I could do it. But, um, you know, like a lot of times we'll work with clients. We get them on podcasts, interviews. They love it. They see it helping their business. And they come back to us and say, this is great. Could you help me launch a podcast? And I always say, well, that's like asking your dentist if she can do your knee surgery, right? She's hardworking. She's smart. She could probably figure it out. But mm-hmm. I don't want my dentist doing my knee surgery. Right. They, they are much better to serve you by saying, hey, let me give you an introduction to an orthopedic surgeon. And so that's the same thing with us. It's like when people come to us and say, can you do this? I probably could, but that's not our zone of genius. You know, podcast interview marketing, that's all we do. Let me introduce you to somebody else that can do that. Right. And it's tough because a lot of times people come in and say, you know, hey, will you do this for me? Um, but that dentist is smart enough to realize that neither one of us is going to like this if I do your knee surgery. Yeah, I turned down, you know, yesterday I turned down two searches and just not for me. I'm like, yeah, you want to say yes. You hate to turn away people, but it's, you know, I'm not the right person. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, waste of their time, not a good use of my time. It's better that we talk about where we would be a good fit. And hey, I'm happy to refer you to somebody else. I hope best of luck. Come back to me when you've got something that looks like X. Um, you know, I think that's a better conversation to have. And, 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 you know, there's a little bit of wisdom that comes with that. Um, but, you know, again, you know, it's focus and not trying to be everything to every, everybody. Yeah. We, uh, uh, we focus on three verticals. So it's not necessarily where our clients are, but where our clients' clients are. So business is by far our biggest one. And then faith and Christianity and health, nutrition, and wellness. And there was a comic uh, literally a professional comic that came up to me and we were talking about, you know, could you, he use podcast interviews to grow his business? And I'm like, sure, spell it all out. This is exactly how you do it. And he's like, oh, that's great. Um, I want to work with you. And I'm like, sorry, we don't work in that vertical. And he's like, no, but I want to. And I'm like, I'm not going to make it up for one person, right? Um, here, here, here's a copy of the book. You figure it out yourself. And he said, what would it take you to, uh, to do that? And I said, if you can find 24 more other comedians that wanted to get that vertical, we'll get into that. And I, I've heard from a couple of times, I'm still telling people about it. And other people have told me, no, you don't want to deal with 24 professional comedians. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> hey, before we came on, you were talking about you know, defense, a defense company who was trying to use a podcast and trying to get their story out about you know, what, they're, you know, what they're doing to market their business to Jen, whatever we're in now, Z. Yeah. Z you know, it's... How'd they get their message out? Were they successful? What did they do? Yeah, they were very successful with it. And the, what they were running into the problem with was that everybody thought, oh, defense contractor. Yeah, I know my grandpa used to work for them. 
and I'm a smart engineer. I'm a smart uh, computer scientist. I don't want to to work for them. I want to work for one of the the fun companies, the Googles, the the Apples, right? And so they were able to go out there and talk about some of the neat projects they were doing, some of the fun projects they were doing. And they had people that were more like um, the target audience they were going after. So they weren't, uh, they didn't have the, uh, the CEO talking to uh, people that just got out of college, right? Because it's not peers. They were talking to, to either peers or people slightly above that. And it was interesting, the, the conversations they got onto and really that how they tried to rebrand the company. It worked well for them. And we've worked with some software service companies too, the same way that are trying to break out of, hey, we just offer this product and to tell the stories behind it because that's what people are going to remember with it. And, yeah, uh, I'm, it's, it's interesting. I got to go to a, a banking conference next, uh, a leasing conference next week. I don't even own a suit. I mean, I'm not even embarrassed to say it. I, I live in Wilmington, North Carolina. I've got my own business. I live a mile from the beach. You know, the suits that I had were, you know, I bought when I was younger days. I'm like, you know, I'm just throwing them away. I, know you, <laughs> I got a jacket. I got slacks, I got shoes and, you know, and I think, uh, yeah, the defense industry, it's a lot, it's, it's a little bit rebranding. I mean, it's, it's, you, you, you gotta get, if you want the next generation, you gotta get, you, you gotta check your suits. You gotta get rid of them. You know, they may, may defy your culture, but hey, look, get rid of the suits. And um, audio is an amazing way for that too. Um, it was a discussion recently about what is the future? Is the future video or is it audio? And there was a uh, futurist out of um, Stanford, and I loved his argument for it, is that the future is vivid audio, not video. And his point was is that video gets so dated, right? Um, we watch a movie back from the 80s or 90s, and we laugh because, oh, look at, you know, they're using a corded phone or right. – um, Look, look at uh, her hairstyle. It looks so dated. But yet audio, we can listen back to, you know, War of the Worlds, and it's just as, um, just as powerful. Yeah. You know, the, the Hindenburg, um, you know, that, oh, the humanity, that's still powerful, even though it's probably 100 years later. And this gentleman, his point was, is that vivid audio can get through a lot of things. Right. So if you're trying to connect with a different generation, if they see my um, if they see my video, they may go, oh, that guy's as old as my dad. He's got as much gray hair or they may say, oh, he doesn't look like me or like doesn't come from the same area. Or we might not listen to somebody because what do they know? You know, they're, they're young enough to be my kid. But if we're just listening to the audio, we focus on what they're saying. And from that standpoint, uh, the vivid audio um, can really connect better at times than the video. You know, Zig Ziglar on Zig Ziglar on audio never gets old. But you know what? I it breaks my heart because uh, my uh, uh, niece was studying for real estate and she had all these books that she was supposed to listen to or read and listen to. And she told me she found this guy, Zig Ziglar, and she was listening to all this stuff. I didn't have the heart to tell her that Zig had died, you know, five or six years ago. To her, he was the smartest guy out there. 
yeah, for 80 years, he's been the smartest guy out there. <laughs> so what do I, uh, hey, let's wrap it up. What do companies, you know, look, you, you're, you're helping companies market. You're helping them get their message out. What do people, not just companies, but more importantly, people, what do people need to do to get their message out there so that they can break out as individuals? Yeah. And I think it goes back to what we were saying. Everybody's biggest problem is obscurity. You know, there's companies we could help. There's people we could help. The problem is they don't know we exist. It's never been easier. So if you're a writer, write blogs, write a book. Um, if you're a speaker, uh, if it's easier for the talk, well, get a podcast, do a podcast. But whatever it is, it's never been easier to get your ideas out there and to share them. The other thing I think of too is that, you know, I, I can remember back in the time on the, on the carrier, you could always spot somebody that was brand new. Because for that first two or three days, they would climb up to Vulture's Row and watch the planes take off and land. And after a few days, it's like, this is ordinary. Right. You know, and what's ordinary to you is amazing to others. And we all, after a certain amount of time, just say, eh, it's just ordinary. Everybody knows this. No, they don't. What you know could help people. And it's never been easier to share that. And when you help them, you help yourself because you're going to see, be seen as the thought leader, the expert. You know, go out there, share what you know. Um, it's never been easier, and uh, you'll be blessed for it. Also, no, that's a great way to uh, great way to wrap up. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on, Tom Schwab with Interview Valet. Um, let's see, www.interviewvalet.com. How else do people get a hold of you, Tom? I was going to say, Craig, I'll, I'll put a page just on there. So it's interview valet with a V dot com forward slash aerospace. And so I'll put a, a free copy of the book. If anybody wants a copy of podcast guest profits, how to grow your business with a targeted interview strategy. I'll put my social media on there. So you don't have to figure out which Tom Schwab and Kalamazoo it is. And I'll put my email there. So if anybody wants to connect with me, just go to interview valet.com forward slash aerospace. Awesome. Hey, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Craig.